listeners to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is History and Current Events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4.6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. With all that getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage in Kester live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Kester live stream there also. You can go to abitumi.com forward slash time for an awakening. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I forward slash time for an awakening. Kester live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening Radio program with a live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit, hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. <clears throat> timeforanawakening.com will take you straight the time for an awakening media it's 807 here in the city of philadelphia on this friday evening freestyle friday evening and we're in the friday edition of time for an awakening you can always join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832 that's 215-490-9832 we'll be right back to get this evening's program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. 
You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. 
Welcome back to Time for an Awakening this Friday, uh, March the 31st edition of Freestyle Friday. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and R Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm just uh, cruising with the, the way the temperature rolls up and down and um, just with um, things that are going on around the country, you know, and, and basically around the world and how they're having um, serious impact on black folks. Richard, uh, it's a couple of things I want to uh, touch on tonight. I don't know whether you had some things, um, you know, last week on last Sunday's program, we kind of talked about, uh, uh, we did, uh, we hit on, uh, Kamala Harris going over there to Africa. Right. Uh, she spoke in Ghana, uh, uh, the other day, a couple of days ago, and, uh, she might be on her way back now. I don't know, but, um, I want to play what she said in Ghana when a reporter asked her a question. Keep in mind what we discussed last week, Richard, about uh, the State Department issued that the LGBTQ uh, uh, foreign policy was at the core, or the LGBTQ rights was at the core of U.S. foreign policy. You remember that, Richard? Right, right. Um, She was asked a question in Ghana, uh, along with the president of Ghana, in reference to that. I want to play to the audience what she said. I want to play to the audience what the president of Ghana said, Odo. And also I want to play to the audience what the um, leader of parliament in Ghana uh, said. His name is Alban Bagden, Bagden uh, in reference to what was stated. Because it's important that our people hear what's going on that's what the black, black media is supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be sharing these messages. And, I, and I'm not trying to be critical or, or blow any horns, but you don't hear a lot of these things being stated on mediums that it's supposed to be talked about on, put it that way. It's it's just not talked about, Richard. And maybe right. some of the listening audience, maybe they've been hearing it and I, I'm wrong. If so, maybe they can call in and mention it. But uh, I, I want to play these statements that was made because there's a lot of misinformation. And I don't want to say a lot. It's misinformation going on about what's happening on the continent. Uh, uh, and I think that misinformation is purposeful. A lot of times uh, to play on the ignorance of a lot of our people. And I'm not talking about ignorance of being stupid. I'm talking about ignorance of not knowing what's going on with certain issues. So I just want to share what was stated by her, by also the president of Ghana and also the president of parliament or the leader of parliament there, because it's, it's some laws being passed. I think we mentioned on Sunday's program, some of the laws that was passed in Uganda and Kenya in reference to this, if you recall, Richard. Right. Uh, it's some on the table in Ghana because a lot of people got the impression that a lot of this stuff is just widespread on the continent. Uh, which is not true. So we'll get into some of that tonight. Richard, also, um, you know, we mentioned last week about the entertainers being used to push a lot of this foreign policy and a lot of this 
the LGBTQ stuff is mixed in. You remember that, Richard? Right. right. And I think you mentioned about um, uh, what they did during the 60s and late 50s in reference right. to jazz. Right. Um, I pulled up an article in The Guardian in reference to that. Um, and I, I, do, I wanted to share some of that article, but if you wanted to kind of set things up, and also we're going to get an, uh, in fact, he was supposed to join us at the beginning of the program. Maybe he got a little sidetracked. We were supposed to hear from uh, Brother Patrick Lumumba down there in Mississippi because uh, uh, Mississippi on the move and the, the, uh, the uh, Black Liberation Movement down there was going to, um, uh, oh boy, what's the name of that town? Uh, Blue, I think it's Blue Fork, Richard. Yeah. It's, I, know, I know I'm messing it up. It's a, it's, it's a couple of black towns down there that got devastated by that tornado. The, the tornadoes that uh, ripped through Mississippi. Uh, uh, several of them looked like they were completely wiped out. Uh, and they were going there to uh, kind of lend some assistance to see what's needed uh, to take some uh, things there that the folks need. That, uh, in fact, he's joining us now to, to kind of talk about it. Brother Patrick, are you there? Yes, sir, Brother Elliot, I am. How are you, sir? for being patient with me. All right, no problem. And, and uh, for the listening audience, I'm going to touch on some of these things that we talked about earlier uh, that we're going to deal with on the program. But I first I want to deal with uh, Brother Patrick and what's going on down there with our brothers and sisters in Mississippi. Brother Patrick Lumumba, Mississippi on the move, the Black Liberation Movement down there in Mississippi. Brother Patrick, um, you know, before you tell us, and, and give me that, uh, I said Twin Forks. I know it's not Twin Forks. What's the name of the, the, the towns that were affected? Uh, primarily Rolling Forks. Rolling, Rolling Forks. Fork. Okay. You know what? And let, yes, me say, let me say this before I let you kind of give our listening audience the, the layout of what's going on down there that you know, and, and I know that you and, and uh, and uh, several of the brothers and sisters is going there tomorrow. Um, I saw a news report. Now, I know you didn't see it, Richard, because you don't watch television. I saw a news report yesterday, uh, and they had a, a reporter talking about what was going down there. It was a white reporter. Do you? And it don't surprise me. It really don't. But you know one of the first things she mentioned, Brother Patrick, when she, yeah. when she talked about it, she said, uh, and I do also want to report that is is widespread looting and stealing and stealing of catalytic converters off cars. I mean, I w- listen, I wasn't wow. surprised. I wasn't surprised that they would even say something stupid like that. But you got a town that was totally wiped out. I mean, from the footage that I've seen, it, it looked like the buildings was just completely shredded. It's amazing that a lot of pe- people were, I mean, weren't killed. It's amazing to me that more people weren't killed. But, the, you know, the first thing yeah. she reports yeah. is widespread yeah. looting and stealing of catalytic converters. Yes, sir. But, I, but to, Brother Patrick, talk, talk about what's going on down there. Uh, you and some of the brothers and sisters is headed there tomorrow. Just, just uh, kind of give our listening audience a little bit about what's happening. Well, first of all, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, uh, pleasure and honor to be back again with you brothers on the show. You brothers have really uh, captivated us, you know, our hearts down here in Mississippi, man. And uh, we really 
you know, see a camaraderie with you brothers. And we thank you always for giving us the opportunity to uh, speak through your airways. But uh, what's going on here is uh, exactly what we are experiencing right now. I mean, even right now, as I speak to you, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, we're under a thunder tornado warning right now. Mm. You know, so in this area right now, we're under a tornado warning right now. So um, we experienced an E4 tornado. It hit the Mississippi Delta, and it totally devastated uh, Rolling Fork in particular. Rolling Fork, that's what's being reported. But i like for a lot of people to understand, you know, that we have plenty of black enclaves, uh, hamlets right around Rolling Fork. Rolling Fork is a town and a community of about 1,600 to 2,200 people. And uh, <clears throat> that's a community here in Mississippi. You know, there may be a city block there, but it's a community here. And Rolling Fork has been around for a long time. And uh, it's totally been pretty much wiped off the map. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, that's the, on the surface what's going on. You know, that's what's being shown on the news media and so on and so forth. But the, the interesting detail is kind of what I wanted to allude to tonight. But just on the surface, uh, Brother Elliot, that's what happened. We experienced a tornado, an uh, E4 tornado um, in the Mississippi Delta, and it totally destroyed Rolling Fork and um, the surrounding communities of Rolling Fork townships, about 300, 400 uh, predominantly, predominantly black townships such as Silver City, Black Hawk, and uh, other surrounding towns. Okay. Um, Brother Patrick, you, you're headed there tomorrow. Uh, uh, you and, and, and uh, uh, several of the brothers and sisters to try to lend some aid. Um, have you had right. any preliminary reports from some of the folks on the ground that uh, what's going on there? Uh, yes, I have. And as a matter of fact, you know, uh, I, I solicited uh, Sister Crystal, who, who is our basically Mississippi Chief of Staff and our Secretary of Ed- Education and Information of the Black Liberation Movement and Brother Lieutenant Malik Haynes. They should be on this call. Uh, they, they made this call. I don't know if they got the message or not. But, uh, yes, uh, Brother Lieutenant uh, Malik Haynes and Devon Cops that have been boots on the ground, you know, as far as our organization is concerned, going in there and getting some uh, very interesting uh, information and detail uh, that they've been reporting back, you know, to me, and I've been trying to get it across to the national people, you know, uh, best I possibly can. Um, but, yes, we've been on the ground. It's, it's been totally devastating. Um we lost 26 people, as we know of right now. We still um, cleaning up, you know. Still is clean up, so we don't even know if the 26 people that lives were lost would be our final count. You know, uh, we've had the state governor come in. Uh, we we love to call him Taylor Head Reeves. Uh, he come down and uh, <clears throat> you know he gave his formal report. We going down tomorrow to see you know, what it is that these state-funded people that's coming in actually doing for our community because what, what's happening from the reports that Brother Malik and Brother Devon given us is that as soon as they pull into town and a lot of these townships are tied up, 
you know, a black side or a white side, you know, all throughout, you know, the state. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's about 15% uh, white population death. But these people basically control the 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 the, uh, the economy, and so you know it's a it's a um, agricultural rural community. So these white people have a lot more resources than the majority of black people. So when they coming into town, they seeing white people with farm equipment. You know these people actually have farm equipment that they are able to go in and, 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 and remove a lot of the debris and devastation in their parts of town. But our black people, you know, are suffering, you know, uh, from that aspect. So, you know, we got a lot of this uh, array. We have a lot of uh, displa- mis- displacement, I meant to say. And uh, one thing that I wanted to point out, Brother Elliot, is that this displacement, you know, in these natural disaster situations to black uh, predominantly black areas that are economically impoverished, what we need to understand is that these people become permanently displaced, you know, and if the best example that I can show that making uh, people can recall is Hurricane Katrina in, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Most of those people were permanently displaced. So, you know, I was telling the brother uh, yesterday on the call, white supremacists don't need any help. You know, they already have a political economic agenda to gentrify black space. So when these natural disasters happen, we don't have the resources to uh, uh, execute what I call staying power. You know, these families have been there for generations, and then this type of thing happens, and we don't have the resources to uh, <clears throat> rebuild, and we end up being permanently displaced. Well, you know, w- when you men go down there, I-, I know that you'll come back and uh, give us a report on what's needed. Uh, I know in a situation like that, everything is needed. Clothing, uh, water, uh, uh, food especially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I, it, everything is torn up, even some of the stores that the people would shop at. So I don't know what this reporter was talking about, talking about it was looting and somebody stealing some catalytic converters. When all that debris, yeah. you can't even see the cars. So, you know, it, it, right. I mean, it, this white supremacy don't stop. It, it's constant. So, Come you know, on. when I when I heard that report, I just, I mean, I could believe it, but it was just, you know, sometimes you can't, the gall of some of these folks. But, the, I mean, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, we'll, we'll be looking forward to some of uh, some of the reports coming back and what's needed and some of our listening audience, if they know some folks in the area some concerned uh, churches, even some organizations. I know that um, uh, the university, the Universal African People's uh, Organization out of uh, 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 St. Louis, as I keep it, Rudy, they were doing mm-hmm. some things before when they were sending water down there. I think uh, 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 Reverend right. Pinkney up there in, in uh, Benton Harbor was sending some things down. So I know that we do have a maybe a, a, a meager network of people, but we, you know, the listening audience knows other folks, so we can we can get together and help our people. We don't have to depend on uh, groups like the Red Cross, which traditionally been a double cross to black folks. But uh, you know, that's right. We can do what we that's need to right. do to help our brothers and sisters. Uh, Richard, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just, I just wanted, um, and, and maybe it might be an inappropriate question, but um, brother Patrick, but I was wondering. 
you know, you have, you know, when you've, you've been moving around and this here um, uh, tragedy, natural tragedy has effect is affecting not just people in in Rolling Fork, but all in, you know, all around in Mississippi, do you, for the work that you're doing, do you, and is there a, how is this affecting the consciousness of getting a handle? Well, let me say it this way to assist the work that you're doing. Do you perceive that this can be uh, a, a another catalyst, another opportunity, you know, because we, we see what is needed in relationship, our relationship to each other as a catalyst to support what you're doing? You you know what, Brother Richard, and that's, that's an excellent question and assertion because, you know, I, I, I have had talk with our people here in Mississippi. I'm talking about within the organization. And I'm telling them that uh, we need we need to, you know, not that this is an opportunity because this is a situation of devastation and tragedy. But we need to jump out there. I'm talking about grassroots organizers. We need to jump out there and really perform at this hour, you know, for our people in an organized fashion. When Kwame Ture came to Mississippi, <clears throat> he made it a point to make sure that he emphasized us organizing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what we need to do, you know, on a grassroots level. You know, we need to organize ourselves to be be, be more effective in times like this. So, you know, I'm trying to make it a point of emphasis that we found on the forefront because when we get the governor coming, you know, and doing the formal thing that he's supposed to do, you know, when, when these type things happen, you know, we're not even sure, you know, what happens after that. Uh, initial news report that, you know, the government get out there and the FEMA people and all these people, these, these are opportunities for them as well. You know, it's opportunity for white developers and it's opportunity for a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, Taylor Head Reeves, he, he goes out there and they make these formal reports. And But what comes after that? Because the majority of black people, we have a white savior complex. So once they come in and they begin to... Uh, no, we take our hands off the wheel as a black community. I'm talking about black folks in churches and everything, you know. Uh, a lot of these uh, resources that get sent to these churches, they can't get to the people. The people don't even have transportation. So I don't know what the white woman talking about with the stealing of the catalytic converters. You know, those cars that have been piled up. I've seen uh, piles of cars, uh, Brother Richard, Brother Elliot, piled up two stories high. I seen 18 wheelers flipped over on top of each other on top of a car. And I wonder how in the world could something cause that. So, you know, for somebody to use the media, but Malcolm told us, well, he told us about the media, but you know, way, the way these people use this media to create the insensitivity toward our people in this type of time, you know, it's, 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 um, Man, I, I, I can't even conjure up the words for it. I know but it. yes, sir, uh, Rich, just to answer your question, brother, uh, we're using this as an opportunity to jump out in front of the consciousness of our people and let them know that we exist, the Black Liberation Movement exists, and we here first and, and foremost and primarily for our people, Elmo Geronimo Pack Gun Club. We're here to fight the social injustice on all levels, you know, and when our people are in need, we want our people to understand that we jumping out there and we getting on the forefront uh, for our people, and we're going to get down there and, and get intimate with our people, you know, and we're going to fight back against some of these 
uh, false narrative, brother Ellie, because it burns me up when 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 we start talking uh, backwards like that. You know, uh, uh, basically, you know, going along with the narrative that these people create. You know, well, you know, they down there, they suffering, but they stealing catalytic converters down there. They become gospel in the community <laughs> once these white people do this stuff. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so we're gonna get out there and try to be, you know, as effective as possible. And and, and to reinforce what um, Brother Elliot said, and you're saying because to the time for awakening audience to to us you know, um, about having, I mean, with the network having to be strengthened because this is something that's going, this is like a, we, we were just talking about Florida. We were just talking about New York. So it requires us to strengthen this network of support in order to strengthen the, the re- people that I, I like that you said to, that we feel not that we're taking advantage of opportunity, but that we feel the connection. Cause I did hear that, um, they mentioned, like, I guess, $5 million coming down there for, you know, relief and, and, and that's discussion. But as you say, the people who control the resources is already defined. So we got to make sure right. black folks get those resources to exactly. stabilize their life. And if it's going to come from the federal government, it shouldn't be like what happened in, you know, Louisiana. It should be that we can demand from where we are. Uh, that black right. folks, those that community get restored as a part of our repair. Not that we just right. need to see. This is not a spectator sport. That's that's the reason why I'm right. asking. You know, for all of us to understand no our part in this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, we got a call jumped on. That might be uh, uh, brother Nick. Let me see, uh, caller. Sister Crystal, how y'all doing? Oh, how, how are you, Sister Crystal? Uh, you know, I'm uh, well. Uh, uh, Brother Patrick told us that uh, that that you and and Brother Nick was uh, oh no, uh, the one of the uh, 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 Malik, Brother yeah, Malik, Brother Malik, yeah, was uh, um, kind of boots on the ground in that area. Uh, do you know mm-hmm. of anything that, that has been happening? Uh, do you know of any folks in that area personally? Uh, just kind of give us a little uh, uh, rundown on on what you know. Uh, or have experienced since you've been there? I don't I don't know anyone personally in that area, but I'm originally from Arkansas, the Arkansas Delta, which is probably about an hour and a half from the affected area. Okay. So I do know the area intimately well. But uh it, it, I, I came on a little late but I do know what and I and I and I say what brother uh Patrick has already said about, you know, how people have been affected and how they're taking, you know, the resources and the donations to different churches and other organizations that our people, black people, don't have access to. And so that's why we want to get down there, boots on the ground, so that we can get to our people, and, excuse me, and make sure that they get what they need. You know, we, we need to know what they need because some of these lists coming out, on one list it was sunscreen. Who the heck needs sunscreen at this time? Uh, you know, so, I apologize yeah. for laughing. They're just yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. You know, and then today, you know, uh, at least came out with bleach, and that's more understandable to me than sunscreen. So you know, just getting down there, talking with the people, really finding out what they need. You know, uh, because uh, one of the brothers said, you know, they're in hotels, but they don't have any electricity. So we you know we got to have flashlights and batteries and things of that nature as well, storage containers, because right now they don't have anywhere to store anything. So you're taking a bunch of stuff down there, and they don't have anywhere to put it. So just 
really getting boots on the ground, get it to our people. Our people need us uh, right now. We don't need to wait for white people to come in because then they, they won't get anything. They'll get the leftovers. So, uh, you know, we just want to get down there and, 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 and figure out what we can do long term as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. everybody will come in right now. Everybody's like all ready to help and, and aid and then to help a hand. But what about the rebuilding process? Okay. What is that going to look like? And so, like Brother Patrick said, we want to get down there and talk to the people, make them aware that they can control the rebuilding process, too. They have a voice in the rebuilding process. They don't have to wait until other people come in and build up the community. We need to be we need to be uh, instrumental in that. Okay. Um, kind of let us know, uh, you know, what's going on, especially once that you get uh, you guys uh, get down there and see what's happening. I know Brother Nick is going to be joining y'all, Brother Nick Bezel, uh, from the Geronimo uh, Pratt Gun Club uh, to kind of see what's happening and, and then kind of report back to us, and then we can maybe go from there. I'll, I'll uh, talk with uh, a Brother Maurice up there in New York, and, uh, you know, because you just mentioned batteries and things of that nature, you know, a lot of the small things that we might think is small is major in a disaster like that. So people having flashlights, uh, uh, the uh, plastic like tote containers, things like that. A lot of those things can be sent if we can make arrangements to right. have them forwarded or sent down to our brothers and sisters or a conduit such as yourself to make sure it goes to uh, to our people. To our people, yes, exactly. All right, exactly. Listen, uh, th- uh, thank you for for, for uh, uh, jumping on to uh, kind of let us know what's happening, and uh, looking forward to uh, you kind of following up. All right, Please. all right, brother Elliot, okay. brother Richard, we'll most definitely do that. Uh, br- brother Patrick, before you leave, um, mm-hmm. have you heard anything from Brother Mallory up there in uh, Colorado? Man, man you men, you, you oh, yeah. every time you look, you brothers are going to move. I, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. You, uh, listen, I, that's we, why I take my hat off to you, men as activists, you men and women as activists, man. Because you, when yeah. our people have need, the next thing you know, you you on the move. Yes, sir. And I'm and I'm so glad to be affiliated you know, with people that recognize that, you know, that there's a necessity, you know, with us that we get active, you know, and, uh, you know, me, uh, Sister Crystal in the Black Liberation Movement, Mystic on the Move, you know, just being active and, and, and not trying to handle these situations by remote control. You know, I call it remote control. We can't handle these situations by remote control. We got to touch and agree, you know, and I'm a big, you know, ancestor uh, 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 guy. You know, I'm a big you know, study of our history. And, you know, Kwame Toure, uh, Stokely Carmichael, whatever you may know him by, you know, our people may know him by, he didn't try to handle this, this problem by remote control. He said, I think I'll go down there, you know, and, um, you know, and deal with the people and, and, and see, you know, what it is that's going on, you know, because like I was telling Brother Maurice, Mississippi is the epicenter, you know, of white overt racism, white supremacy. And I think at the same time, it's the epicenter of black liberation. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that, you know, just to, to let us know, you know, that I'm glad that, you know, I come across people who are actively engaged in the fight, you know, and I love that aspect of what it is that we do. So, yeah, I want to go and 
go to Colorado, you know, and I went to Colorado, and I have had conversation with uh, Brother Mallory since then. And uh, basically, uh, you know, more the same. And one thing I will say, you know, concerning that issue and concerning our issues, you know, we 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 <laughs> we have this mainstream uh, idea uh, 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 of dealing with our problems. And most of our mainstream organizations just don't have the grit, you know, to deal with white supremacy. I'm, I'm just going to tell you just like that. You know, we don't have the grit. White supremacy is a beast. And when I say it, I literally mean it. It don't, it don't forgive. It don't have mercy on you. It don't have none of that shit. It's just, you know, it deals with us. And our emphasis in, in, in responding um, exacerbates our problem. So, um, you know, it's kind of conflictual with the Mallory's because, um, you know, the, 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 the way that they trying to, in my estimate, in my estimate, you know, deal with the problem. You know, the NAACP has always been, you know, diffident. If you're asking me, you know, and, uh, you know, they kind of, kind of want to corroborate with them, you know, and, uh, it's a slow process, you know, it's, it's just a slow process. And so we continue to, you know, struggle until we get, you know, ready to really deal with these people. So, but Mallory doing good. I really mostly had a conversation with him about his land and his soil content because we trying to figure out how to grow a Colorado watermelon. He thought that was a very intriguing idea. So, um, I've been talking with them about some agricultural development on all that land that they have up there. Okay. All right. Well, I, listen, I know yeah. you've been in touch with him, so I, I'm just uh, uh, concerned about, the, I mean, the man's welfare and what's going on because the, the type of help he needs, that's not the type of help that mm-hmm. the NAACP traditionally gives. You need Yeah, some well, di- let me do, let, let, let me say this, uh, Brother Elliot, and I, I won't be long. Uh, what 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 we did do, uh, Elmer Jerome Pratt, we implemented a veterans program. It, I'm I'm glad you asked me that because this needs to be said. Uh, and this is what I'm talking about: effective dealing with. See, when we was up there, uh, Brother Mallory had very little help, you know, on that ranch. And um, <clears throat> uh, Nick and 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 a lot of national people thought it would be good if we can implement our veterans, you know, our homeless, basically our homeless veterans solicit them to go up there and actually live on the land, redirect their veteran funds, uh, checks or whatever that may be uh, to that address and uh, create a, a vetting process and an application process with the Mallory's where they can accept veterans coming up there to basically live on their ranch. And, and, and I, the Mallory's worked out some type of agreement where, you know, the veterans that they vet and approve can actually become owners of, you know, a few acres of that land up there. So this is what I call the effective uh, uh, dealing with our issues. You know what I'm saying? That don't come from the NAACP. You know, it don't come from the Urban League. That comes from the El Madromo Pack Gun Club, people that are standing right on the front line, knowing going in there and knowing what's needed. So now it creates opportunities for veterans that need home, a home. And it creates a, 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 a you know, a one, 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 hand helping the other type uh uh system so yeah i'm glad you allowed i'm glad you asked about them yeah and that's and that becomes a win-win situation not only for the mallory's but for the uh brothers and or mm-hmm. sisters that go up there at you know to uh uh to to homestead basically and to to learn uh, right. ranching to learn how to handle cattle learn how to handle the horses 
I mean, that that's a win-win situation right. for both of them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Great, great, great to hear. Uh, Brother Patrick, before you go, li- listen, I, I know that you yeah, – yeah, your focus is is on a uh, uh, rolling fork, but let me ask you about the the young man. Uh, I don't know the town in the Delta that uh, mm-hmm. that called his mother and let her know that white folks was chasing oh, him. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you yeah. find him young man decapitated, and uh, you know it, it sounds like a right. uh, uh, situation that happened to uh, Armand Albert uh, down in Georgia. Uh, I, I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ben Crump and all went down there, but do, uh, do you know any more about the situation? Uh, because I know you're kind of closer to the ground than a lot of the other folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you go ahead? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's brother. That's our brother uh, Rasheen Carter uh, that you're speaking of. His mother, Tiffany Carter. Uh, ben Crump is the lead counsel on that particular case. We have made uh, two trips to Taylorsville. Uh, to help and assist them in protest. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I haven't heard much from that since they allowed her, uh, she had an opportunity to actually view the body or, or what was left of the body uh, um, a few weeks back. And uh, that was horrific. So where they're at now, uh, Brother uh, Elliot, uh, they're a, a process of uh, launching an investigation. You know, and I and I know that may sound um, like what just now launching an investigation, but actually launching an investigation. And the MBI, you know, Mississippi Bureau of investigation seem to be sitting on their hands in all of these cases. And it's amazing the layers of protection that goes around white state officials. You know, uh, that's killing our children. Uh, it's amazing the legal protection that goes around these people in that. You know, I don't feel like being Crump. Uh, nobody else is capable of fighting through. You know, I'm I, I'm serious, man. We 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 gotta have people, you know, that that directly straight understand the liberating process. You know, with their skill sets. You know, legal, legal and political, because these people are dealing legally and politically to protect these people. Mm. I mean, seriously, we had a whole standoff with Mississippi Highway Patrol. Uh, 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 county police, city police in Taylorville. We had a whole standoff with these people, you know, and and, and, and it's amazing you know, how these people approach these situations with your tax pay, uh, you know, with this, you know, salaries being paid by us. You know, it, it, it's absolutely crazy, man. But uh, they, they, they're at the investigation level right now uh, with Rasheem Carr. Brother Patrick, looking forward to hearing from you soon, brother. And uh, be safe out there, man. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. We will talk, sir. Thank you. All right. right. Take care now. Richard, uh, (laughs) wow. You know what? Let's let's take a brief break. And when we come back, I want to play that uh, clip uh, with uh, uh, Kamala Harris over there in Ghana which he said, what the president of Ghana said, and what the leader of the speaker of the parliament, I'm sorry, uh, Alban Bagbin said in reference to what she said in Ghana. Um, and keep in mind that what we read last week from the State Department 
basically an edict from the government saying that LGBTQ rights was at the core of U.S. foreign policy. Uh, I notice black media is not talking about that. If you look at popular black media with DeGrio and some of these other ones, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're praising uh, Kamala Harris's visit there, not necessarily what the visit was about, not going into those nuts and bolts, just talking about the visit. And, you know, like our people is a bunch of cheerleaders, and some of them are. Sad to say that some of them are, but the majority of our people are not just sitting back being cheerleaders. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to touch on some of these things. Richard, I want you to go into, because there's strange similarities to what was going on with Dizzy Gillespie and and, uh, uh, Armstrong and others when the CIA was using them to what's going on now. Uh, So we'll take a brief break. When we come back, we'll touch on some of these things. I'll try to get some of those clips uh, ready so the listening audience can hear them. we're in Freestyle Friday mode here on Time for an Awakening. It's 849. You can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an Awakening. We'll be right back. Brother Richard, on time for an awakening media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. The Digital Plantation, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. 
A B I B I T U M I Black Power A B I B I T U M I The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family to join your interconnected commit to you black communities escape the digital plantation now abibitumi.com abibitumi.tv abibitumi.tv.com abibitumi.store we are here for you escape the digital plantation a new era a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years to a struggle for genuine equality and this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far people were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality do you think white people in this country and I'm talking about non-segregation as people devoid or thinking they're devoid of racism do you have any idea of what they want the negro to be in america i think the vast majority of white americans uh will go but so far it's a kind of installment plan for equality and uh, they are always looking for an excuse uh to go but so far and know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money a few of us got positions a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down no one man can rise above the condition of his people see brother said responsibility is it is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table the power that's in our community the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America we have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda thank you. whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power one of the time honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who have achieved recognition but look at Ralph Bunch Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young, but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sorted piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated. humiliated not being able to fight back as a form of severe punishment i come here tonight and plead with you believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody as i said to a group last night nobody else can do this for us no document can do this for us. No Lincolnian emancipation proclamation can do this for us no 
Tennysonian, our Johnsonian civil rights bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation proclamation. Let anybody take your manhood. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's uh, almost straight up 9 o'clock, 8.57. On this Friday evening here in the city of Philadelphia on Friday, Freestyle Friday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, you can always join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, Richard, before we, um, before I kind of share some of the, those clips, um, talk about from your perspective what happened during the, uh, when, when Armstrong and then were used during that, uh, uh, the the scheme that the United States came up with to utilize black music and black entertainers as uh, conduits to not only spread messages but use them to infiltrate areas that they might not have been able to do prior to. Talk, talk about it from your perspective. I'm going to share this article also that was in The Guardian to lead up into other conversation. And I, and I want to use as my launch off point this article from Time Magazine. I think it was um, Time Magazine, and in, in, um, it was in December of 2017. But before, I, 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 I emphasized the point of how it was used in the um, 50, the late 50s, as a tool of the State Department, or as they said, you know, as a weapon. Um, to, and, and we have to be clear what is going on here. What is the American empire? And we're looking at these two things, that America is a empire that wished to stay at the hegemonic head, right, in its global, in the global contest between other nations. <clears throat> and again, how Africa, and as we touched um, last week, how Africa young people, is a part of its strategic strategy that it wants to get control over for, you know, various reasons, not to, so that they won't destabilize because it becomes a, a new um, middle-class force. Um, and it has the youngest, um, youngest um, pop, largest population um, on the planet right now. So what American empire and American imperialism, um, which is, the American military um, arm needs to do is to be able to go somewhere and captivate it or or control it through a, one of its tools. And one of its tools it has is Amer- African-American cultural products, i.e. jazz, rap, or um, image, you know, coming out of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So in the 50s, um, they came up with, 
you know, the strategy. And it, and we have to, this is military strategy. This is not just something that just hap, so hap, has, uh, what's that, haphazardly happened. So I'm going to take and extract just a couple of articles to reemphasize this point of how they were using culture um, products before, how it's being used now. But when it goes to the point that you're making, Elliot, it's about American values and the exception of certain rights for certain people or groups is about trying to get other places to accept American values like if, if it was their own, right? That's what power is about. So in here it says about almost 60 years ago, um, in the crisp early spring of 1958, uh, um, how the uh, uh, California named, uh, a young boy in that California named um, Darfus uh, shuffled through the streets of Warsaw. I'm just going to use that as an opening. The State Department hoped that showcasing popular American music around the globe would not only introduce audience to American culture, but also win them over as ideological allies in the Cold War. Now, the Cold War context was um, something different, right, than what is happening now and what you're emphasizing in relationship to this uh, um, trying to impose rights of a certain group, which is interesting. I have my own, you know, when we talk about rights in the LGBTQ community and how the State Department isn't demanding, really, how these African countries are supposed to utilize their value system and impose that on them. Um, How they said they passed um, the um, Brubeck Quartet for all performances in Poland where some of the first in a long tour um, that were never strayed far from the perimeter of the Soviet Union. They passed through Eastern Europe, the Middle East, Central Asia, and India itself. Other tours would allow jazz legends like Louis Armstrong and Dizzy Gillespie to trumpet American values in newly colonized states in Africa and Asia. So we see that this is a deliberate and it's and it's bef- and it's for um, particularly to dis- to project American values. Um, what what, you're, what we're emphasizing is that the rights of certain groups of people is an American value. Um, Elliot, should we say what is an American value? Should be everybody's value, and should everybody accept what American values as if their own? And, and what I hear you're saying, you're going to give us indication with even with Kamala going around that um, there's been consistent pushback, especially on the continent, in relationship to what American values are. They're not accepting. And I'll close with this. The State Department had first realized jazz potential as a Cold War weapon just three years before the Brubeck family found themselves in Poland. In that moment, the United States and the USSR both saw themselves as models for developing nations, said Peggy Von Inshu, a professor of Cornell and an expert on the Jazz Ambassadors Program. That was the name of the program, the Jazz Ambassadors Program. Quote, they were in fierce competition to win the hearts and the minds of the world, unquote. Adam Clayton Powell Jr., a congressman with close ties to the jazz community, 
first suggested sending jazz musicians around the world on state-sponsored tours in 1955. No time was wasted, and by 1956, the first jazz ambassadors, Dizzy Gillespie, was blowing American horn in the Balkans and the Middle East. America's secret weapon is a blue note in a minor key, proclaimed the New York Times. So we see that this, and we see it now with the rappers, I mean, and the film entertainers. I, I mean, I, everybody's going, since the, this here, the, uh, what's that, the, uh, the year of, of, of return occurred with Ghana, um, I mean, you see the these film stars that's going over, especially the Ghana, but different companies with the DNA. You know, they're matching up and they're finding and how they're being they're being celebrated. These are not diplomats of the of the black community. These are not um, what uh, a business entrepreneurs that create relationships between um, the black community communities and communities in these African states, these are entertainers. And they're talking about going and even um, buying homes or creating um, businesses, you know, comedians, film stars, rappers. This, how do we distinguish when it's not a part of the American State Department in order to propagate American values on a country, when they look at their values, they don't want. Hopefully that addressed what you wanted to make that connection and place it in historical context. Yeah, and, and that'll, that leads me right into this article that was in The Guardian. <clears throat> Before I kind of bring it up to date, I'm going to start kind of follow up on your past, dealing with those jazz ambassadors, and then I'm going to bring it up to what's going on now and then go into those uh, segments of speeches. This article was in The Guardian on September 2021. And the header was Louis Armstrong and the spy, how the CIA used him as a Trojan horse in the Congo. It says it was a memorable evening for Louis Armstrong. His wife and a diplomat from the U.S. Embassy were out for dinner in a restaurant that was still in Leopoldville, capital of the newly independent Congo. The trumpeter, singer, and band leader nicknamed Sachmo was in the middle of a tour of Africa that was stretched over months, organized and sponsored by the State Department in a bid to improve the image of the U.S. in dozens of countries which had just won freedom from colonial regimes. What Armstrong did not know, that his host that night in November 1960 was not the political attache as described, but the head of the CIA in the Congo. He was also totally unaware of how his fame was allowed. The spy who was making small talk across the table to gain crucial information that will facilitate some of the most controversial operations of the entire Cold War. Armstrong was basically a Trojan horse for the CIA, and it's genuinely heartbreaking. He was brought in to serve the interests that was completely contrary to his own sense of right and wrong. He would have been horrified, says Susan Williams, a research fellow at London's University School of Advanced Study and the author of White Malice, 
a book which exposes the astonishing extent of the CIA's activity across Central and West Africa in the 1950s and 60s. Documents found by Williams in the archives of the UN during the five years of research suggest that Armstrong's host, CIA Station Chief Larry Devlin, and other U.S. intelligence officers opposed to Congo used the cover of the musician's visit to get access to strategic information uh, about the province, province of Kantaga, which had recently succeeded, seceded. The U.S., though sympathetic to the agenda of the province leader, was not officially recognized as a self-declared government there. There was also uh, something else Armstrong uh, had pulled out of the similar tour of the Soviet Union three years earlier in protest at the racism in the, in the U.S., uh, but did not know that the CIA was in the Congo, led by Devlin, was trying to kill the Congo's first democratically elected leader, Prime Minister, the 35-year-old Patrice Lumumba. Two months uh, after Armstrong's tour, Lumumba was murdered in Kataga by officials uh, of the breakaway province. Devlin later claimed that the CIA was, was responsible, telling the U.S. congressional investigation uh, that the coup was Matabo and was arranged and supported and managed by the CIA. The tragedy is that Nkrumah uh, uh, and Lumumba and a number of other African leaders weren't opposed to the U.S. They wanted friendly relations with the U.S., but because they weren't opposed to Soviets either, they were seen as enemies to Washington. Their attitude was either us or either you're with us or you're against us, says Williams. Armstrong was 59 when he traveled to the Congo and was inspired by his experiences there to collaborate on making uh, a musical called The Real Ambassadors, which was performed and later became an album. It voiced some of his own deep conflicting sentiments about his participation in the U.S. government public relations effort on the continent. Though I represented this government, Armstrong says, uh, the government didn't represent policies that I was for. So, you know, he, be, he, he realized later on that he was being used, Richard. But at the time, the U.S. had other objectives to sending him to Africa, along with the, 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 some of the other entertainers, which followed up on what you were saying. But let, let me kind of bring it up current before I play uh, um, Kamala Harris's speech uh, in Ghana a couple of days ago. You know, Richard, the... Um, State Department, and and, and at first I want to share this article that was in, <laughs> because these programs never stop, Richard. They just uh, morphed into something else. Let me uh, share this article that was in Al Jazeera. Uh, in 2011, it says, Leveraging Hip Hop in U.S. Foreign Policy, 
Diplomats and officials use the music of the oppressed to connect with disaffected youth in other countries. Now, this is an Al Jazeera now. Mm-hmm. Let me go down and read, because I just want to pull a couple of things out of this article here. It says, the State Department began using hip-hop as a tool in the mid-2000s. The program was modeled on the Jazz Diplomacy Initiative of the Cold War era, except that it was against the war on terror. Hip-hop would play a central role in countering poor perceptions of the United States. In 2005, the State Department began sending hip-hop envoys, rappers, dancers, DJs, to perform and speak in different parts of Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. The tours have since covered the broad arc of the world, with performances taking place in Senegal, Ivory Coast, North Africa, the Middle East, and extending to Mongolia, in Indonesia. Artists, uh, stage performances, whole workshops, uh, those hip hop ambassadors who are Muslim talk about, talk to the local media about being Muslim in the U.S. The tours also exhibit the integration of American, uh, of, excuse me, of, a. uh, Excuse me. The tours also uh, exhibit the integration of American uh, culture, but also, according to planners, to promote democracy and foster dissent. So we see here that in 2000, mm-hmm. that they started sending hip hop envoys with rappers, DJs, and dancers to perform in African countries. That was funded by the State Department. Mm-hmm. Now, Check this out. In 2009, here's another article that is written. Uh, And the header is why the State Department is backing hip-hop diplomacy. And it talks about this one artist that uh, uh, that they were using to go to the Congo. Her name was Tony Blackman. It says uh, Blackman was the U.S. first official hip-hop ambassador tasked with using her music to spread American values around the world. The hip-hop diplomacy program that uses the aesthetics of hip-hop, the art of hip-hop, the culture of hip-hop to create better relations with people of other countries. When Blackman first started as hip-hop ambassador, she worked as a cultural specialist for the State Department. Mm. But in 2013, rapper Pyrrhus Freelon and University of North Carolina professor Mark Katz applied for a grant to create Next Level, a diplomacy program dedicated solely to hip-hop culture and artists. Black men also work with Next Level by performing, teaching, collaborating abroad for the purpose of promoting relations between other countries. Since 2014, Next Level has been in 30 countries with over 100 artists taking part in programs 
ranging from graffiti artists to dancers to beat makers. Next Level also hosts artists from abroad to come to the U.S. So this is a, I don't know who this Mark Katz is. It don't sound like he's black. <laughs> that that formed this company, Next Level, that was funded by the State Department to mm-hmm. to cultivate all of these artists. And believe me, Richard, the majority of these artists, if not all of them, are black. Right. To go into these countries. So this same program, and we stated this last week, but now it's, it's proof to it. It wasn't just talk. This same program now is being used with hip-hop artists to send them to these countries to promote values. And one of the values is what the, the State Department says was is at the core of U.S. foreign policy is LGBTQ. I'm looking at Max Cat now, and he is not, like, founding director. Oh, you see it? Yeah. Next Level founding director is the John P. Baker Distinguished Professor of Music at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. His scholarship focuses on music and technology, contemporary popular music, music diplomacy, and the violin. But you see, uh, as we've seen earlier um, with um, 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 Dizzy Gillespie and, and the ambassadors, that you can't tell who works for the State Department. Mm, mm, they do. Wow. Right? Wow. <laughs> you can't tell where they are by what they do. Uh, okay. And, okay. You know, and, and we have to be clear clear of that. And, I, and I'll just add this as you continue on, because I was when our, we were talking last week about this, you know, it made me look up. In congressmen, Congress people now, the CIA, um, uh, there's an article, the CIA and Democrats in the 2020 election. There is 34 Congress people who were working for military intelligence or the agency that are in Congress now that are shaping Domestic and foreign policy, based off of the committees. This, this, you know, and as you gave this date, two thousand five to two thousand twenty three, they play a long game. It don't just happen, and we see these, and a lot of these people are artists. I don't even, I never heard of Tony Blackman. I never heard of her. Not that I would hear a lot. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like you, we hear Public Enemy or 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 you know others like that, um, and and those who were born in that era, they were here. Other, but these are hip hop artists that they cultivate for the sole purpose of presenting them, and you know to fulfill the value shift agenda. Yes. Of American foreign policy. Yes. And look how people look at how people are used as pawns in this game. You know, you've stated you've stated it before, Richard, that these people are playing chess and sometimes we're playing checkers. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to the U.S. State Department website, Richard, the U.S. State Department. And it's the thing up here says jazz diplomacy, 
then and now. Now, we've already read about their, their what their diplomacy is supposed to be used for. Now, let's listen to uh, Bilkin, Anthony Bilkin, and what he says here, Richard. Let, let, I'm going to play it for the listening audience. Throughout the month of April, the State Department is celebrating cultural diplomacy. Cultural exchanges are a powerful way for people to connect across borders and for countries to build respect for each other. Moreover, they're an integral part of U.S. foreign policy. America's arts and culture are a major source of our national strength. Our musicians, filmmakers, artists, writers, and athletes captivate the world. Now, wait a minute, Richard, before I continue on, you heard what he said about, the, you know, it's a powerful tool in captivating the world or whatever, right? He said, uh, wait a minute, hold on, let me go back. I just want to play that portion. Artists, writers, and athletes captivate the world. Captivate okay. the world. Hold it, Richard. He said, our artists, writers, and athletes. Mm-hmm. Is he talking about white folks? Nope. What what white artist is captivating the world? What white athletes is captivating the world? He's talking about you. They're using you to do this. And they're, wait a minute. And they're using black political figures to help spread the message. Harris, Lloyd Austin, Linda Thomas Greenfield, the other guy that's over Africom and in, in, uh, uh, on the continent. They're not only using artists, entertainers, and athletes. They're using these people that are supposed to be political political figures to spread this message. Now let me. I'm gonna if I'm gonna see whether you said anything else, or else I'm gonna just cut this off. I just want to to play that, but let me let me go a little further. Their work can get people to see each other's humanity, build a sense of common purpose, change the minds of those who misunderstand us and tell the American story in a way that no policy or speech ever could. That's why, for decades, the State Department, through the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, has invested in cultural diplomacy. (laughs) We deploy cultural ambassadors to share their creativity and expertise with foreign publics. We sent jazz musicians abroad in the 1950s to share this American art form with the world, and we still sponsor jazz programs today. Wait a minute. Richard... We all know now that those artists that went out in the 50s helped unwittingly help get some of the leaders that was in Africa assassinated, right? Mm -hmm. But you hear what he's saying. He's saying it's like it was a great thing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, and I'm talking about somebody black because whites don't really care. It it, kind of helped uh, preserve the American uh, uh, hegemony or white hegemony. But mm-hmm. if you don't know as a black person, you think this is a great thing. You really do. Let me finish it out. We hold essay contests on topics like disability rights and put together showcases of musicians from across America. We hosted screenings of Hamilton at dozens of embassies around the world for Fourth of July. And we'll screen a documentary for Earth Day about young scientists around the world solving local environmental challenges. The American Music Abroad Program is integrating song lyrics into English language learning lessons. Our Next Level Hip Hop and Conflict Transformation Programs 
tackle issues like racism and intolerance. Through our embassy in Israel, U.S. chefs have shared their favorite foods for Passover, Easter, and Ramadan. These are just a few examples of the innovative, warm-hearted work that the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs does to bring American arts and culture to the world and to bring cultures from abroad to the American Okay, I'm going to stop it there, Richard. I, it, it, uh, what I wanted the listening audience to hear, he said. I don't mm-hmm. need the rest of that. But you hear what he's saying about this program. Ever since they used it in the 50s, they've been using it and, and dedicating money to do it because they seen it was a useful tool. Mm-hmm. Now, that ain't me saying that, Richard. That's a, you, you've heard them, they're saying it. Now, let me go, let me play Harris's comments. Uh, And you'll also hear the president of Ghana, what he said in reference to it. And then at the end, I'm going to play the Speaker of Parliament there in Ghana and what he says. Um... I just want you to kind of focus in on what he's saying because his accent is very heavy. But you, if you listen clearly, you'll hear exactly what he's saying. Let me play Harris first. Listen to the question the guy asks him because that's this is why she's there, Richard. Listen to the question the press asks her and listen to her response. Here we here we are for the time for awakening audience. Uh, Madam Vice President, you have made clear that the message of this trip is centered on a collaborative future. Um, at the same time, the Biden administration committed to calling out any foreign government that advanced anti-gay legislation or violates human rights. All three of the countries that you are visiting on this trip have advanced anti-gay, advanced or proposed uh, anti-gay legislation. Ghana has proposed a bill that would imprison those that engage in same-sex intercourse. Gay sex remains a crime in Tanzania, and same-sex relationships are outlawed outlawed in Zambia. What have you said to the president and plan to say to other leaders on this trip about this crackdown on human rights? I'll start. Uh, I have raised this issue and let me be clear about where we stand. First of all, for the American press who are here, you know that a great deal of, of work in my career has been to address human rights issues, equality issues across the board, including as it relates to the LGBT community. And I feel very strongly about the importance of supporting uh, the, the, the freedom and, and supporting and fighting for equality among all people and that all people be treated equally. I will also say that uh, this is an issue that we consider and I consider to be a human rights issue and that will not change. The president and I had a conversation on this very topic. But the conversation was not about China as much as it is about the enduring and important direct relationship that the United States has with Ghana and with African nations. I will tell you that we are very clear, and I will speak for myself and on behalf of the Biden-Harris administration, that the relationship between the United States and this continent and African leaders is an important one 
There's a historical basis for the relationship, not to mention as we look forward, as all governments should, and recognize the unachieved, as of yet, opportunities that exist going forward. The median age on the continent of Africa is 19. Think about what that means in terms of potential. Think about the fact that by 2050, one in four people occupying a place on Mother Earth will be on this continent. And what that means. The trip that I have taken to come here, being here, is about recognizing the incredible opportunity with a sense of optimism about what we do now and how it will impact the world going forward. So this trip and this relationship, yes, we are concerned with security. We are concerned with what is happening on the globe as a whole. We are clear-eyed about that. But this trip is motivated by the importance of the direct relationship between the United States and Ghana, and as I travel the continent, those countries as well. Now, now, Richard, do you notice that she didn't spend hardly any time answering that question? And she didn't answer it. She didn't answer it. Right. Right. But she did say that she's there basically under the interest of the United States. Mm-hmm. How uh, the African continent, the median age is 19 years old for the, ten, the hundreds of millions of people that are there. The median age is 19. And how one in four people by 1950 is going to be on that continent. Which mm-hmm. is very, that should be hugely important to us in the diaspora. Right. Not spending time with stupid ass bickering about, ooh, this guy's from the continent. I don't like that African. This guy from the islands. See, Europeans like to hear that old dumbass type of conversation between black people. Because it really serves them. It don't serve us at all. Because they over there trying to make plans while some of us uh, indulge in dumbass conversations like that. And I'm, I'm sorry to use that type of vernacular, but that's how I feel. But you hear what she's saying. She didn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. But that's what she's there for, Richard. You heard the media. That's one of the first questions they asked her. That's what she's there for. Mm-hmm. Where's the black media, the popular black media, the shows that people listen to, the, the Black Eagle, the, the, whatever, the Eagle, the, the Shopton, the Roland Martins, when they going to deal with this issue instead of waving the flag talking about Kamala Harris is in Africa? When are they going to deal with these issues? That's what she's there for. And the overwhelming people on the continent don't want that crap. Just because some of these leaders here have accepted it and then drank the Kool-Aid, these, does that mean the continent's supposed to do the same thing? Or people in the islands? Now let me, that was her, that was her answer, right? Mm-hmm. The same question is asked, to the African president. Now, listen to his answer, Richard, and listen to what he says in reference to their parliament and what his job is. Just listen clearly. Now, and then I'm going to play the parliament speaker's speech. His his accent is heavier than Odo, Odo, 
But listen to Odo's response. Oh, wait a minute. Hold it. I got the wrong one. Hold on a second. Uh, time for awakening audience. This is it. Young, so thank you for the question. First of all, we don't have any such legislation here in Ghana. Young, so thank you for the question. First of all, we don't have any such legislation here in Ghana. A bill has been proposed to the Parliament of Ghana, which has all kinds of ramifications, which is now being considered by the Parliament. It hasn't been passed. So the statement that there is legislation in Ghana to that effect is not accurate. The bill is going through the parliament. It's going through the parliament. The attorney general has found it necessary to speak to the committee about it regarding the constitutionality or otherwise of several of its provisions, and the parliament is dealing with it. At the end of the process, I will come in. But in the, in the meantime, the parliament is dealing with it. And I have no doubt that the parliament of Ghana will show, as it's done in the past, one, first of all, its sensitivity to human rights issues, as well as to the feelings of our population, and will come out with a responsible response to the, to, to the proposed. The legislation was a legislation that has been provided, provide, as a private member's bill. It's not an official legislation of the government, but it is one that has been uh, being mooted by a handful of private members. So we will see what the final outcome of it. But I'm, uh, my understanding from the recent the committee, the substantial elements of the bill have already been modified as a result of the intervention of the Attorney General. We will see what the final outcome will be. And that is the stage at which I will also have the opportunity to prevent. If you enjoy this video... Now, Richard... Mm-hmm. You, you caught what he said <clears throat> because the guy said uh, when he, that reporter when he said uh, uh, legislation has been passed and gone into jail people that have the court doing a, uh, sex acts with same sex you, you heard him when he initially right. said it and the prime minister uh, the president Odo said well that's not true it's no such legislation yet it's in parliament you heard him saying that right he said, "When it, whatever happens in Parliament, he said, that's when I come in. Did you hear him when he said that? Right, right. right. Okay, now, he answered the question directly mm. as best he could because there is no legislation at this time. But he did answer that man's question directly, not like right. Harris, who went all over the place and never answered it. But you heard what he said in reference to the question, right? Right, right. Now, right. Time for waking orders. Let me play the head of parliament because you heard the president of Ghana say this bill is in parliament. It's not official yet. When it becomes official, that's when I deal with it as far as dispensing, you know, the will of the people. You heard him, right? Right. But Elliot, one thing that in the mechanics of this, which is interesting, and, and, and we have to be conscious of how these work because you hear the, you hear the, the the American press brings the question up directly so that, you know, they have to deal with it. But what he said also was, this is a private member bill. This didn't come from the people in parliament. This came from somebody outside of parliament that introduced it so they have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to bring up also. Now, let, let, let's hear what... Uh... The 
head of parliament, speaker of parliament, Alvin Bagman said in reference to Harris and the president, Odo. His accent is heavy, time for waking the audience, but you can hear, I know you'll be able to understand what he's saying. Let me cue it up here. Our friends just passed their law in Uganda. We may not go the way they have gone because our constitution is very clear as to the direction we should move. And so we'll be guided by that. Because if we pass any law against the constitution, it's unconstitutional. So we have to do that. And so what are you afraid of? If you have the whole people behind you, if God is with you, who can be against you? And if God says, please, go into the wilderness, multiply and fill the world. That is God giving you that command. If somebody says, please, don't multiply. How can that person be strong? I don't only speak this way in Ghana. Even at the last meeting we attended in IPU at Bahrain, anybody who listened to my speech, there were sentences on this matter. Luckily, maybe because it's a Muslim country, they applauded me. <laughs> If they're somewhere else, they will be asking questions. As the vice president just did is it yesterday. I mean, these things should not be tolerated. That is undemocratic. What is democracy? That somebody else will have to dictate to me as to what is good and what is bad? Unheard of. Because we have decided to devalue ourselves and go a begging. Come on. We have more than enough. God has created more than enough for every person. It's just because you are looking at somebody else's share, not yours. We have enough in the world. The bill will be passed. Hey, wait a minute. I'm going to finish it out, Richard. You heard him say the bill's going to be passed. Right. You, you heard him say that. Yeah, that's a, that's what I thought I heard. Yeah. And you heard him say in the beginning when he was talking that, you know, he said to God said, be fruitful and multiply. Oh, right. And he said, when I made this speech in, a, uh, in Bahrain, he said I was applauded. He said, maybe they applauded me because I was in a Muslim country. But he said he says this wherever he is. And notice he said our friends in Uganda just passed this bill. Did you hear him when he said that? Right. That we already said what the bill said in Uganda. They was a little harsh in Uganda. They they was ready to, well, I'll read it again what the Ugandan bill said. But you hear what he's saying in reference to this bill. And then you heard him say, well, uh, and and let me continue it on, on again and finish it out. The bill will be passed. This is the word to His Excellency the President. There is no way he can intervene. That answer mm-hmm. he gave. That is now before Parliament. And when he gets to a stage 
that he has to he will come hey please this is legislation this is not execution <laughs> wait until we pass it and then we direct you to execute it that is why you come in that is why we are representatives of the people so in terms of law which is part of policy we finalize it and then the executive now have the authority to implement it to execute it let's get this clear once this bill is before here he is not in charge I am in charge yeah. <laughs> I hope the US vice president is not here gone but she will read from me you heard what she said what he said to, to Harris at yeah, the end? He, said, he said leave you I hope she read from me exactly he said it and once this is passed until it's passed he said he's in charge mm-hmm. he said once it's, it's passed or whatever if it's fail or pass he said then the president gets to to uh, uh, implement the, the will of the people but he's sitting there in the video. He's sitting there with the other members of parliament and you hear them clapping mm-hmm. and they represent the will of the people. Right. So whatever pressure the United States is trying to put on Udo or whoever else, you got other factors going on that a United States do not like. Keep in mind what happened with Patrice Lumumba and others that they didn't like their stance on policy that they really want to push what these men are saying Richard that you just heard is not liked by the United States and some of their operatives Kamala Harris Linda Thomas Greenfield Austin others <laughs> I, w- I wanted to I, w- I wanted to play that Mm-hmm. Now, but, but we got a couple calls, but let me let me let me do this, Richard. You know that Linda Thomas Greenfield came out of the Peace Corps, right? And we talked last week on the program about the with the Peace Corps. I mean, sure, the Peace Corps. I'm not talking about the the initial uh, uh, the facade of the Peace Corps, because you find out that in a lot of these countries. Uh, these spies are are using the Peace Corps as a cover. Mm-hmm. That's not a rumor. That's not some innuendo. That's fact. Now, let me go right to the Peace Corps site. And under the Peace Corps, they got diversity and inclusion, and they got several countries in Africa stated here about their volunteers that's there. They got on this particular page, and I'm only going to read a few of them, they got South Africa, they got Senegal, Benin, Rwanda, Gambia, Sierra Leone. Uh, that's that's lit, listed here on this page, and then you, you forward to other pages. But I just want to read some of the ones that are here. Let me let me go to Senegal. For, I'll start with Senegal first, and it's messages to the folks that's there and what they're doing. Let me read this here. It says, note to LGBTQ service specific to Senegal. 
LGBTQ volunteers are welcome within the Peace Corps volunteer and staff community in Senegal. And many LGBTQ volunteers have served there successfully. It is important, however, that applicants review the State Department cautions for LGBTQ travelers to be aware of culturally. LGBTQ individuals are often not accepted uh, and discriminated against by Senegalese communities. Due to safety and security concerns, LGBTQ volunteers are advised not to serve openly in this country. We recognize the challenges that having to hide may cause for you. Thus, we are committed as Peace Corps staff to do our best to support you in the midst of these challenges. You, do you see what it's saying about these people that are volunteering there, Richard? Mm-hmm. And what they're doing. And they're going to do the best they can to protect them. But they have a mission there. It's a mission there. It's stated here in this thing about the volunteers in Senegal. Right. Now, let me jump over to South Africa. Because some of these things, these directives are different than others. Let me go down here to South Africa. It says, gay, lesbian, bisexual volunteers must know that South Africa is a very conservative society. Many South Africans, especially in rural areas, are in denial that same-sex relationships exist in their culture. Thus, any display of your sexual orientations will likely be severely frowned upon in the community. Some previous volunteers have decided to serve their time in South Africa under the cloak of silence to prevent adverse effects on their relationships with their community and co-workers. The Peace Corps staff will work with volunteers to support them in training, housing, job sites, and other areas to enable them to serve safely and effectively. Do you hear that, Richard? Yeah. You hear it? Yeah. Uh, Let me see this again. Some previous volunteers have decided to serve their time in South Africa under the cloak of silence. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Boy, I'm telling you. Check checkers and chess, Richard. Let's jump to Benin and see what they say. Uh, Benin has conservative sexual mores. Many people in Benin believe that same-sex relationships are wrong, and thus relationships do not exist in their country. Although you may see signs of physical intimacy among men and women in Benin, it is not necessarily a site of same-sex relationships. Some gay and lesbian volunteers in Benin report that they have not been able to be open about their sexual orientation. In the past, LGBTQ volunteers have formed their own support groups in this country. Huh? Yeah, I mean, wait a minute. If you're a carpenter there, you're supposed to be dealing with carpentry, teaching carpentry. You remember the police force? I'm not the police force, the Peace Corps. What what are you doing? What are you? That's what they're there for, Richard. 
That's what they're there for. Anything else is just a cover. Why is this stuff in the directives to other volunteers there? Let me let me go to the Benin. Let me go to the let's look let's look at the Gambia. Let's go to Gambia. I'm gonna read a couple more of these and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just jump to any calls that want to get involved. Uh, wait a minute, hold it. Gambia is conservative by U.S. standards, and many Gambians disapprove of same-sex relationships. The president of Gambia has publicly stated that gays are not welcome in the country. This is typical for Muslim countries. Because of this, gay, lesbian, and bisexual Peace Corps volunteers have not been able to be open about their orientations in their communities. However, the Peace Corps slash Gambia provides an open and supportive atmosphere for LGBTQ volunteers, and there is an informal support organization of volunteers that meets periodically. Here we go. You hear this, Richard? Um, Like like y'all there to have a relationship? They're there to spread these messages, Richard. If they're there to teach English or teach carpentry or whatever they're there, those are covers. This is why they're there. This is on the Peace Corps website. They ain't hiding it. Maybe it's, mm-hmm. it's hidden to some of our people that don't understand what's going on. Well, educate yourself, please. Let's go to Sierra Leone. Let's see what did the, uh, okay. Most cultures of Sierra Leone consider same-sex relationships taboo. LGBTQ individuals certainly exist in Sierra Leone, but there are no openly gay community. Volunteers may not be able to freely discuss their relationships or their sexual orientations uh, with other people. This can obviously be very difficult. The Peace Corps staff is aware of this challenge and will support and offer uh, you, excuse me, the Peace Corps staff is aware of this challenge and will offer support as you navigate through your new culture. Within the Peace Corps family, sexual diversity is supported and informal LGBTQ support groups exist for you and the Sierra Leone. Do you, you hear this, Richard? Mm-hmm. Let me do one more before I leave it. Let's go to Rwanda. And it's, you know what, Richard? It shows a picture of a white guy. And he's standing with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And all of them is, is the youth all around him. I guess he's the teacher here. But you see what they're there for. I'm reading it. Right from the, in fact, time for awakening audience. Go to the Peace Corps website. You'll see it for yourself, and see the photographs that they have up here, and who's trying to influence these these uh, population that are the median age of nineteen, and what they're trying to influence them in. Let me read this last one. 
While same-sex relationships are not criminalized in Rwanda, there are laws. Uh, there are no laws to protect individuals from harassment. This is not uncommon for LGBTQ uh, to be arrested and imprisoned under various laws regarding public order or morality. Many Rwandans have beliefs about relationships similar to Americans in the 40s and 50s. It is important for gay, lesbian, bisexual volunteers to know about these conservative attitudes to be able to live and work productively in the Rwandan community. Former volunteers in Rwanda have reported that they could not be out about their sexual orientation for fear of negative repercussions and safety risk. The Peace Corps suggests that anyone wishing to discuss this subject do so in the confidence of the Peace Corps and staff members. The medical office can provide confidential counseling and help you connect with the gay and lesbian support groups for the Peace Corps volunteers uh, in Rwanda. Richard, <laughs> man, I'm telling you. Uh, wow. You know, I, I, well, one word that, that really, um, in all the, the different countries that you read, as far as the American, you know, the uh, Peace Corps perspective, is that they call it conservative, right? That they they have these conservative um, views. <laughs> and and I'm, 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 I'm listening to, you know, this word, and I'm saying, so for them, they're saying instead of saying, you know, I mean, I, I don't even know what they instead of, but they're saying that these people in these countries do not have this as a part of their value, cultural practice or values or laws. And therefore, they're calling them conservative. Which means that does the Peace Corps consider itself liberal? <laughs> and does Ooh. liberal and conservative goes to the same thing that go that that applies in the political arrangement here? But these countries, I mean, and, and then as you say, you go there to to teach writing. You can't. I mean, you ain't there forever. You sign up. What is your sexual preference? have to do with you navigating in that culture that you know doesn't adhere to that. Like, you can't control yourself unless you're there to propagate. Yes. And that's warning to to you that though that may be the mission, the the risk that you would, you take for operationalizing that mission <laughs> Got it, man. I'm dead poor. Wow, Richard. Before I, good. Did you finish your thought? Yes. Mm-hmm. Before I go, that let me let me play this now. This is this was done uh, eight years ago, 2015. Obama was addressing, and he was standing there with the Kenyan president. This is when he visited Kenya just before his presidency mm-hmm. ended. And he was talking about this. Now, since then, a new president has taken over in Kenya. And he's the one 
uh, that had uh, William Roto is the new president. This president here was uh, Uhuru Kenyatta that he stand up there with Obama. Let me play what he said to Obama at that time. And if you notice, the new president kind of just, uh, you know, basically following the same lines. If you look at the history of countries around the world, when you start treating people differently, not because of any harm they're doing anybody, but because they're different, that's the path whereby freedoms begin to erode. And bad things happen. And when a government gets in the habit of treating people differently, those habits can spread. If somebody is a law-abiding citizen who is going about their business and working in a job and obeying the traffic signs and doing all the other things that good citizens are supposed to do and not harming anybody, the idea that they are going to be treated differently or abused because of who they love is wrong. Full stop. Now, Richard, Mm -hmm. now you hear what Obama said. Right. That if you're in a country and you obey the traffic signs and you're a law-abiding citizen, uh, but you're not taking into account uh, that this type of behavior is not law-abiding in those countries. And, it's and, against that's, the law. Know, that's, that's what struck my head. You know, like, you're saying that, and they're telling you that that is not their law. Exactly. See that, you know, come on, man. Our people got to wake up. These people that they want to wave the flags about. Now, Obama's not in office now, but they were waving the flags when he was in there. Oh, it's so great. This, that. These people are tools of the United States and tools of European foreign policy. Now, let me play his response. This, this man is not the president anymore. It's a new president, William Roto. But listen to what the president, Uhuru Kenyatta, said to him after he said that. Like President Obama, I think we also need to be able to speak frankly about some of these things. And the fact of the matter is that Kenya and the United States, we share so many values. Our common love for democracy, entrepreneurship, value for families. These are things that we share. But there are some things that we must admit we don't share. Our culture, our societies don't accept. It's very difficult for us to be able to impose on people that which they themselves do not accept. This is why I repeatedly say that for Kenyans today, the issue of gay rights is really a non-issue. We want to focus on other areas that are day-to-day living for our people, the health issues that we have discussed with President Obama, these are critical. Issues of ensuring inclusivity and of women, a huge section of society that is normally left out of the mainstream of economic development. 
what we can do in terms of infrastructure, what we can do in terms of education, in terms of our roads, in terms of giving our people power, encouraging entrepreneurship. These are the key focuses. Maybe once, like you have, overcome some of these challenges, we can begin to look at new ones. But as of now, the fact remains that this issue is not really an issue that is on the foremost mind of Kenyans. And that is the fact. So you hear what he said, Richard? Like, look, you keep that over there. We ain't got no... That, of all the priorities we got, that is not one of them. Now, it's millions of people that feel this way. And the thing about it, that the, the listening audience here is that leaders of these countries feel that way. Mm. But keep in mind that colonized African-Americans... They have colonized you, the, the quote-unquote leadership, a lot of the clergy, and some people that are that, that that are responsible in black media or that are in black media to accept these things. They're pushing these things, unlike in certain of these countries that the. Uh, 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 in land of our nativity, put it that way. A lot of their leadership, their clergy, and then definitely people on the streets do not accept them. But we're here, we're inundated with this type of stuff. And some of our leadership, in fact, almost 90% or 100% of our leadership have accepted it, and the ones that don't, don't come out and say anything about it. A lot of the clergy have accepted it, and especially the popular clergy. And some of these people are supposed to be mouthpieces for you. The, 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 the uh, host of shows, the, the, the news folks have accepted this stuff and push it. So we're in a fight. We're in a fight for values, Richard. It's clear. And going back to the, where we started in relationship to the cultural agents, how many of these cultural agents propagate here? This, this, this this type this value this type of lifestyle which is reinforcing with the um with these institutional leaders are 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 pushing and see when you know when when we talk about these subjects notice when you heard those african leaders they didn't get on there with all kind of name calling oh this guy just he tasted you know we even heard all the types of stuff i ain't talking about it from that perspective Black folks can do what they want to to a degree. I'm talking about it from a cultural and moral perspective. That's all. You can hear these men talk about they don't accept it because it's against their morality. And they explain why. And we can do the same thing. We don't have to make no aspirations about what they're doing in their bedroom, who doing, taking what and, and where. And we don't have to even get into all that because that's foolishness to me. Just talk about it from a cultural perspective. And it shouldn't be accepted by people if you know anything about your culture. Now, if you've accepted European culture, then have at it. Do what you want to do. They've never had boundaries. All you got to do is look back at Greco-Roman society. They never had boundaries in reference to that. Other people did have laws. They did have laws. 
And a lot of things were contained in those laws, not only laws against that same sex type of relationship, but stealing and taking somebody's wife and all those things. They were against the law. In Europe, it wasn't against the law. It just wasn't. They didn't have no laws against the, I ain't even talking about the homosexuality part. It definitely was no laws against that. They didn't have laws against stealing, taking somebody's wife, or a lot of other things that we had as a civil society. They did not have those boundaries. If you had a strong enough weapon, you could take whatever you want, including somebody's wife, their son, and everything else. Let's go to a couple calls, Richard, and then uh, kind of start to wind things down. Let's go to 215. 215? Yeah. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Oh, hey, Brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight? All right, now. Uh, praise be to Allah. You know, Elliot, funny, <laughs> you and Richard is putting this in, in a particular context because I don't know if you and Brother Richard was aware of this, but down center city tonight, Around, I guess around 6.30, I guess, about, yeah, about six, six, between 6 and 7, I guess, I was just coming from my buddy's newsstand down down there near Clinton Chestnut. I walked apparently by City Hall and uh, said to stop at the ATM machine to get some money out for my mother. So anyway, L.A. Mitchell, I saw this big crowd at City Hall. So I said, what's going on over here? But I should have known. When I started seeing all those different colors, it didn't quite register. Because you know, sometimes Brother Joe was a little, a little slow sometimes my old age, Richard Allen. So it kind of didn't dawn. So I asked the white cop, I said, uh, I said, oh, I said, oh, I said what's going on over here? Said, oh, they're having a trans, uh, a trans gender rally and stuff over there. And I said, okay. And I looked, I mean, there was black ones, white ones, Latino, Asian ones. They was talking about you know, the, the, uh, the laws in this country from, from states like Texas and Florida. It's coming down on the transgender and all that kind of stuff. I mean, in the news, in the news bands uh, out there, I think Channel 360 had their little news truck out there. And I said, wow. I said, what a way to suck my weekend off, <laughs> running to something like that. But, you know, Ellen Richard, it's amazing. When I heard Kamala Harris, when, that, when she spoke over in Ghana, and Obama, when he was the Kenyan president, you know, it just makes my blood boil. When I heard these individuals, can sit there for straight, and, and listen, listen to be careful, Brother Ellen and Brother Richard. They can sit there for straight face and tell you how human rights is so important. But they can, but both, but them Negroes can sit there and watch what them Zionist Israeli fake Jews do over there to our Palestinian brothers and sisters, our Ethiopian brothers and sisters, and how, and matter right, fact, right over here in America, with black men and women are constantly brutalized. You just, had, you just had a black man recently in Mississippi, I think he was decapitated. He was on he, his mother, he was, he, last thing he said to his mother, some white men was chasing him, he wound up being decapitated. And I mean, and then of course, the, the brother down in Virginia, who had the mental, uh, uh, out, outbreak, they had the mental issue, and they wound up smuggling him to death. And, and, and you, you, you saw right what she said. We said, I get so mad when I heard some of dumbass people, whether they're doing the radio, even ignorant brothers out in the street, sick to say the same thing about, oh, them Africans, them Jamaicans, them Islanders. And I'm thinking, like, we're the same people. When they killed that brother in Virginia, keep in mind, he was from Africa. They, them devil cops or devil uh, uh, prison guards, they didn't give a damn whether he was. They already saw him with a black man. Same when, they, when, they, when that white cop shot the brother. And, uh, in Michigan, I don't understand. He didn't care about him being from uh, 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 Liberia, one of them countries he was from. He shot that brother right in the back of the head. So, like you said, they're playing right in the Europeans. 
when, when they heard how ignorant people say stuff like that. Why do you think Ellie Richard, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and with the work of Brother Malcolm, who helped create Muhammad Speaks newspaper, and may Allah be pleased with both of those brothers, why do you think he had that big picture you said on there, Brother Richard and Brother Ellie, with the hands across the world? You see that, you know, Muhammad Speaks and stuff, you see the hands crossing the world, which means he was showing black people in America reaching out to your brothers and sisters in Asia, Africa, and places like that, the Middle East, whatever. You know what I mean? They, they, they're and stuff. You wouldn't have no separation. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm, they, they wouldn't talk no foolishness about, oh, I don't deal with them Africans or those Jamaicans or those, uh, 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 you know, whatever. You know what I mean? They wouldn't talk a stupid talk like that. You know what I mean, Alex? Yeah, I hear you. And, and, and that's so important, man. We look at it from the geopolitical point. That's so important because that, that's what caused our people with this stupid division that plays right into the white man's hands. And like I said, it makes my blood boil. And I heard Kamala Harris, like I said, a joke in a, in, in, in a Biden talking about some human rights making ignore, ignore those racist Zionists over in Israel, going where they go to Palestinians and our Ethiopian sisters and brothers. And right here in America, our people have been brutalized. And they can, they can go all the way over there and tell us some human rights. Some Ukraine has been violated, or some LBGT, but damn it, happened right in front of their face every day in part of the world. I mean, these people are so, like you said, they are so hypocritical and so disingenuous. As long as our people keep on waving that white flag for them and stuff, falling for the BS, they think we're going to continue to get what we get. And like I said before, as long as we keep on voting for these kind of individuals, I don't care And I said time and time again, like a, a broken record, as long as you keep voting for these people in a city, State and federal level, you're going to get the same. Get, get, you know, me, you and Mitch are still here 30, 40 years from now. Allah blesses us to live that long, and we're still here. Our people are going to be in the same damn wretched condition. We keep on, the mass of us keep on following behind these fools like that. They're going to keep leading because once they pass on, once, once the sharp business, the rest don't pass on, it'll be a new crop of handkerchief heads. The Hakeem Jeffries and our red beds, they'll be the new handkerchief heads. To mislead our people and stuff like that. But then the Greenfields and the Austin, they probably will be passed on by then. But long as we keep on supporting and voting for these individuals, waving the flag, oh, they black. Oh, they, they're the first black uh, secretary general. They're the first black vice president. But, I mean, long as we keep on falling for that nonsense, brother, we're going to continue to get what we get. And I close with this, brother, Ellen Mitch, and I thank y'all for generous with your time. As, as the quote Albert Einstein, and I hate to quote a Jew like him, but hey, sometimes the truth can come from anywhere. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. It's like you keep thinking, you take your head out of it and rich it and bust it and bang it up against the wall, and, and each time you bang it, you, you get hickeys on your head and blood come out. And you keep doing it, and you wonder why it keeps happening. When you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same result. It's not going to change. And you, until you stop hitting your head against that wall and maybe hit your head against a pillow that's softer, then maybe you won't get hickeys and blood and I come out of your head. I mean, it's just common sense, man. But thanks, Ellen Richard. Thanks for letting me express myself. And uh, I'll move you, brother Ellen. I'll listen to the demand of this show. Thanks for your contribution, man. Peace. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, let's go to 646. 646? Hey, what's happening, um, Elliot and Listen, you know, the thing about what's going on on this trip with the uh, vice president is America's trying to compete with Russia and China over there in Africa, and they just ain't got it no more. You can't go over there and 
place your culture on African people no more. You got to come over there with something to offer. And being the monkey man and the twisted sister is not what African people is looking for. And, you know, you got China and Russia trying to offer something and do business on a better deal. And, um, you know, the only thing America could do is wave that gun. And, you know, these so-called sanctions. But that ain't that ain't scaring nobody no more. You know? So the reality is, no, as you said earlier, the Martins and the rest of these so-called media outlets, they're not going to talk about that. I mean, they're, they're talking about, you know, wanting to be on that trip, wanting to be able to cover her and things of that nature. So, you know, the reality is that these African nations just have to stand firm, man, and make the best deal for themselves. And, nah, you know, Kamala ain't doing nothing. She ain't, she ain't over there making no real power moves because the only thing that America has as a threat is the gun. Other than that, they don't have nothing else as a threat to an African nation at this stage of the game. You know, and the thing is, China goes over there and they expose their culture and their dominance in a whole different manner. See, what China go over there and do is they'll pick a country, they'll go in there, they'll build the country up, and then they'll send in their, um, you know, people to impregnate the women so that they could now claim a part of the country. America don't do that. You know? Because, you know, I guess the the white man ain't good enough to sleep with the African women unless he's taking it from them. You know? So, I mean, the reality, the reality is, as we continue to grow and develop, we'll hopefully figure it out. Because as you can see, they're not going along with that nonsense. You know, I mean, I don't think, you know, Uganda is going to change their position because of America. Now, Ghana is a whole different different story. You know what I mean? I'm not going to really say nothing too much about Ghana because I just think that their leadership is a little bit too Americanized in a way. Um, as far as Tanzania goes, that's an interesting situation because you know a lot of our political prisoners that left this country is over in Tanzania. You know that, right? No, uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of brothers because they have no extradition treaty with um, America. So a lot of brothers went over there and set up shop and you know doing doing some things over there and you know just living their living their lives. So it'll be interesting what type of relationship is cultivated between Tanzania and America, and may that lead to you know some of our brothers and sisters having the be able to come back or flee or or whatever, but no, nah, I don't. I I just don't see this whole situation 
um, being something that America is going to really be able to cultivate as far as their relationship. I don't think they had the same type of hold on the continent that they had before, because I don't think our people are threatened by their military in that, in that way. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but you know, I just think Uganda's not scared. You know, they, they don't want that as part of their, their culture. You know what I mean? And, and they have a right to um, not have that as part of their culture. And, you know, it's really unfortunate that we don't realize that and accept that. Why, why is it that America culture has to be the dominant culture on some place which is not theirs? That's like me coming to your, to your house, Ellie, and telling you that there's certain things you can't do no more. I, 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 you're not going along with that. Well, when you say we you know don't, what I mean? when you say we don't accept it, what we? No, I'm I'm saying you we African people not going to accept that at this time. Oh, okay. You just you just you just can't. I just can't come into your house and accept and accept you expect you to accept my 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 culture. It's your house. I can't come in your house and tell you what to do, unless. I'm going to do what? Attack you. Harm you. Other than that, you know, you got a right to um, develop your country any way that you want to. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, did she say what she was offering? Um, You know, Ghana, did she say what she's offering Tanzania? I mean, that's, you know, what what is she offering them? Did she say? I I don't listen. I'm not really following. Yeah, it was some things offered. Yeah, but I I don't. I'm not. I don't know what she's offering necessarily. One of the things that they want them to do is to accept uh, uh, that culture of LGBTQ in the country. No, no, hey, hey, hey. And Uganda's not accepted it. Some, some. Uh, I mean, maybe Ghana will, but I don't. I don't see every African country well, accepting say, that because. But why would you say Ghana will? Because Ghana has accepted it, from what I understand. Wait a minute! Did you just hear I, I, what I played in reference to uh, uh, the parliament in Ghana? Oh, I thought that was. I thought that was Uganda. No, oh, I missed. I missed thirty. That was Ghana. Oh, so Ghana. So Ghana is not going to accept it. According to the uh, the Speaker of Parliament, no, they're not going to accept it. Oh, then that's 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 good. And the President of I, Ghana I, told uh, when he was asked the same question as Harris, said that uh, uh, because the guy said there's a law in Ghana saying that you will be arrested, and he said it's not a law; those things are in Parliament right now. And then once it's settled in Parliament, then you'll hear it from me. You, you know, I'm basically paraphrasing. So I went and played oh, okay. the Speaker of Parliament, and he basically said that these things are not going to fly in that country. So he's he's basically saying that that um, Ghana is not going to accept the LBTQ c- c- community in that country. That's what he said. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, you know, which is which is funny because you know. That whole clip 
the Kamala Harris and the Roland Martins and all of them, they love talking about Ghana. That's their spot over on the continent in Ghana. They, I, I think, in a way, they done gave up on South Africa. Now it's about now it's about Ghana, but that's good. I, 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 I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I, I, I feel no African country should be forced to accept accept that too. If they don't, if they don't want to, that's that's not part of that's not part of their culture. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I always like I said the other day. My whole thing with that 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 homosexuality and what you call them is that's anti-reproduction, man. So I ain't never down with anything that's that's anti-reproduction. I ain't I ain't, I can't flow with that, man, because that's that's what the Creator put you on the planet for. That's why he made man and woman to reproduce. And I don't, I don't know of no homosexuals reproducing on on the level that this white man is fighting now. But listen, one last thing, man. I said earlier on the OC show, man. People, keep your eyes and ears open and stay on your swivel because I know you ain't talk about your boy being indicted this week coming up. But we got to be real vigilant about our safety. Because these white folks, you don't know what they may do now that their hero is 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 placed in a a, a situation that um you know he's gonna make some assertions and things of that nature. So look, you know, people just be careful, man, because you know at some point in time these white folks gonna act a fool, man. It's 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 just the reality. That's that's how they respond to certain things, man. And I don't want to see how people get caught out there, caught in the crossfires of their of their madness. But listen, man, enjoy the rest of the evening. Put me on mute and look forward to Sunday show. Thanks for your contribution. Thank you. Richard. I didn't, uh, what, no, what'd you say? I didn't, you broke up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm just uh, acknowledging that uh, we, uh, I think we explored, explored what's going on from a geopolitical perspective as it relates to Africa and cultural values and all the tools that will be used to implement soft power. And, and where we are, you know, like, I, I, you know, when you mentioned all the people, Greenfield, Austin, you know, Kamala, this is um, a unique moment in American history if we're talking about um, African-Americans in um, um, particular positions, at least the um, power positions that have public faces to it. Now, how they are in relationship to developing policy or strategy may be a different thing, Um, even with Meeks. Um, and his bill, you know, being on that um, committee, um, that was that HR seventy three eleven. This, this, we we have to acknowledge that black folks are in these positions, and and the question of to what degree we agree with this um, as it relates to Africa. And, and America's foreign policy position. I mean, whether it be the uh, Peace Corps or it be the uh, 
State Department. Um, I mean, is, you know, um, black folks have to, you know, are we in alignment with that? Because you hear, I mean, uh, I heard what the caller was saying, but it came up a couple of times. The major concern in relationship to the continent, um, yes, it may be the minerals or the wealth, but the major concern they keep bringing up that the the population on the continent is the youngest population on the planet. Now, are they looking at it from a dollars and cents perspective? Or are they looking at it from a perspective like China, that you have a continent with young people on it and uh, young people who may not be in agreement with your values and you imposing yourself? And I think it was just, um, what was the country that just um, kicked out um, or took over, uh, uh, nationalized um, Exxon? I think it was Chad, just nationalized Exxon um, oil industry. American foreign company in Chad, and they just took it over. What happens when um, African countries, like those French-speaking countries, kicking France out? Because the people don't want this. And, And they're young. And you to, and they're looking at 2050. That's what she said, 2050. She ain't talking about 2023. She's talking about 25 years ago, mm-hmm. 25 years from now. That's the growth of a whole nother generation. Yes. That's the concern. What happens when um, black people, representatives, are the face of American foreign policy? with um, AFRICOM all over the continent. Does that reflect our um, geopolitical um, strategy as it relates to the continent? Does that reflect our values that we, we see now that is trying to be imposed on the continent? This is something also we have to consider in relationship to what is our positioning when we become the face of power. We may not be the power, but we become the face of power. Well, you know, Richard, to me, what it's really about, just like you said, becoming the face of power. So if you have the face of power and your face looks like mine, but your mind is something else. That's what it's about. Right. Those that that median age of nineteen that stay on the continent, they want the mines. Sure, they they want the natural resources and things like that. They want to get their hands on those things to a great degree before other countries. But more importantly, they want the minds of those individuals. If they get the minds, the resources is second. They know that they'll get all what they need. They need the minds of those people. And the more difficult it is to, for them to retrieve the mind, the more they're going to rely on you to help them. There you go. Whether it's with the entertainers, 
whether it's with NBA Africa, whether it's the, and they throw around money to, to entice individuals because they, in their mind, it always seems to work with black folks or certain black folks when they toss around money. Mm-hmm. It seems to really entice them. Although certain, some black individuals, especially during the 60s, that didn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. So they resorted to more more uh, bestial values, like eliminating them. Because when they, when they tossed around money to certain individuals that we rec- recognize in history, it did not work. Mm-hmm. It's all about the minds of our people. That's what they want. And they're going to use these folks that look like you to try to entice them and get their minds. That's why you're going to see more and more of this, like that guy, Cats. Come on, are you kidding me, Richard? This guy's head of a multi, uh, I don't know, they get money from the State Department. I don't know how many millions he gets, but they said he's in 30 countries with hip-hop artists, uh, uh, DJs and dancers. And believe me, those hip hop artists, DJs and dancers look like you. There ain't no white folks out there. No, uh, no, what's that, what's that white boy's name that was up there in Detroit that, uh, run around? I don't know. Uh, I, I, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, I, I hear what they talk about, but I can't think of yeah, his they, name. They ain't looking like him. They look like you and me. And this guy, Katz, and as far as I know, Katz is a Jewish name. This guy, mm-hmm. Katz, got got black entertainers in all these countries. And believe me, the entertainers that he have in all these countries probably got Jewish agents. All this is working hand in hand. And all they know is wave a couple of dollars in front of black folks' face and they take it immediately, take it and run. They don't care what it hurts, who it hurts, what it, they, they don't care. You see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Richard, uh, interesting conversation this evening. We'll look forward to Sunday and uh, the coming Sundays. It's going to be interesting programs with some of the guests that we have lined up. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, your children playing after school They seem to be
Children. To save the children. 